You're listening to American Girl Women with Laura Treader and Lindsay Adams-Franca. This is a podcast where two millennial gals gather around the microphone and reminisce on the cultural phenomenon that took our childhood by storm, American Girl Dolls. Contrary to what you might think, we aren't just talking about dolls here. We're diving into the high highs and the low lows of getting hooked on American Girl and all the childhood memories that come flooding back. So join us and a few special guests each week as we become American Girl Women. Today on American Girl Women, we are joined by Monica Oliver. Monica is an LA-based photographer who grew up in Wisconsin, where she lived the dream farm kid life, including running around barefoot and raising chickens. Although Monica did not grow up with her own American Girl dolls, she was captivated by the book series and catalog while being a self-identified Felicity. She loved drawing parallels from our American Girls to her own life. We can't wait to hear all about it. Monica, welcome to AGW. Hi, thanks so much for having me. We're so excited to have you, Monica, especially because you're not the first one we've had on the podcast who didn't have an American girl but has very strong feelings about it. But you are one of a small handful of people who did not have an American girl. Um And I think we're excited to just hear your perspective because it clearly had an impact even without having a doll. So yeah, so excited to hear all the tea from you. Right. I mean, there was so much lore around it throughout our childhood, like regardless of if you had one or not, like it was there and you knew who the girls were. Yep. (laughs) We all knew the girls. (laughs) (laughs) Now, Monica and Laura, you two are friends from your early New York days. Do you want to walk us through how you met just for a little context? Yes, we can do like the very, the very abridged version. (laughs) Um, Monica, do you want to tell it? Sure. Um, So I started working at Urban Outfitters on 14th and 6th, the cursed flagship store. By <laughs> and I was in kind of like a city witch era. And there was another girl in the same department who was obsessed with Fleetwood Mac and also wore black felt hats. And that was Laura. And so we kind of had a we had a natural magnetism. And one day I was just getting yelled at by someone <laughs> And I couldn't get my shit together. And she was like, do you want me to help you? And I was like, yeah. And then I think several benders later, we just were a part of each other's lives. Literally, like, I, if I could describe the way that Monica and I were both dressing at the time, I think City Witch is a really apt <laughs> description of it. It was like the it was 2014. So uh it was a lot of felt hats, as Monica mentioned, a lot of long sweeping like dusters with fringe. Um a lot of boots that weren't knee high, but rather shin high. Um were <laughs> yeah. Yeah, especially had us in a chokehold. So it was a really magical time to work at Urban Outfitters. Our paychecks just went right back into the company. Um, Yeah, really. That's the perfect place to work. Were you city witches before Urban or because of Urban? I was definitely on my way there, but I think working at Urban and having access to all of that um, really just like um sped up the process like the second I started working there I bought a felt hat I don't think I owned one before that so you know yeah I guess it was like a little bit of both but I think like once a city witch always a city witch (laughs) and the discount was internal the discount was too good also like it was what 40 percent it was 40 percent and then they they did four items a month at like 60% for a while I doubt they're still doing that but there was definitely like an era where they were trying to make working at Urban Outfitters also like very cool for people 
I remember when I got hired, there was a hiring fair and there was a line around the block, truly down the block, 14th Street, <laughs> to work at Urban Outfitters for what, what like 9 25 an hour. I know. So crazy. Wow. Like, it's over it begging makes... to work there. It gives me a God complex thinking about how, like, I was <laughs> chosen to work there. Right. I oh, was, my God. I was chosen to work in a department where I would have to climb on metal shelves to get shoes from the top rack. Wow. <laughs> Lucky I need a little monkey. <laughs> <laughs> That's wild to think about. Do you think that there is still that vibe? Like I always think back to like the early like 2010s and maybe a little bit before with working at Abercrombie, like you would be approached by someone at the store, like, yeah, like they're bestowing this honor upon you that you could work at the shop. I don't know. I just said shop at the, at the mall, at the tiny, <laughs> the tiny mom and pop shop. Um, I, <laughs> I don't think that exists anymore, but I think it was like akin to American apparel too, where it was yeah. very, like send a photo along with your resume. Kind of vibe. I don't I doubt that there's any form of retail I think probably what came after urban was like working at brandy for like teen girls mm-hmm. but I mean I think urban outfitter the chokehold that they had on culture was probably like peaked during the 2010s I can't right. imagine it's the same now I think people are like seeing through it a little bit whereas at the time like we were entranced by it. We were like, wow. A we, bunch of hot people were here. The city witches under a spell. Yeah. Literally, <laughs> like everybody that worked there was so like dark. Like, I don't know how to describe it. Like everybody was wearing like Doc Martens and like a jean short in the summer. Like right. it was yeah. just like a very like universal like and there was definitely a social hierarchy within urban and I the like hardest thing honestly for me was when I like stopped working there and like had to miss out on the social scene and the social scene at urban was like pretty lit (laughs) It was. There was probably also like all in 70 employees at the store we worked at. So it was like the cool kids were the managers who like in retrospect were 23. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) And then there was like the merchandisers and the display people and they kind of all like those shifts were always like seven to three. And so then, like, there would be the people that worked the seven to three shift that were also cool. And, like, that was where Laura and I stood, which was, like, sometimes we would get invited to go out drinking with the managers, but, like, sometimes not. And then, like, there, <laughs> and then, like, there was, like, a mid-tier of people that, like, didn't really party or hang and we didn't know much about them. And then there was people that were, like very part-time and worked at the cash register and like were irrelevant so it was like (laughs) it was it was a little bit like a high school like in vibe um yes but yeah you know like there was definitely like big urban outfitters parties like my 21st birthday I threw at like loft in Bushwick and like everyone from urban was there like partying on the roof until seven in the morning after even I went home. (laughs) Yes. Oh my God. Yeah. You, the parties like were pretty good and we were all going out in Manhattan at that time, which was so silly, but because we lived in Brooklyn, but that was when an Uber cost $10. So, (laughs) um, but yeah, I mean, we need an American girl doll who worked at Urban Outfitters in college. Is the is the moral? Of I'm the story. I'm always saying that she's got <laughs> the bond shoes. Wow, <laughs> I feel like I could listen to stories about you both working there for hours. Like that would be such a fun podcast if there isn't already one out there. Just telling the stories and the gossip of retail stores from like. 10 years ago like (laughs) it would be really interesting I would love to hear one on American Apparel um because oh my god right the tea seriously (laughs) yeah I 
I worked at Yankee Candle in college for a good three months before I was tossed aside for going oh. home for Thanksgiving. Um, very tragically. Honestly, I was like really hurt by it too, because I loved my job. Like I would sell candles. Like, uh, it was such a passion. I, I don't know why I just like immediately was drawn to it. I could upsell you on any candle. I was just like really stoned the whole time and like, just happy to be there. Right. And <laughs> I, yeah, they, I, I got fired for going home to Thanksgiving. And we've talked about this on the podcast for sure. Still bitter about it. Well, um, there wasn't that was that much like, drama there though. That was like one of the like earlier things that Monica and I talked about when we were both working at Urban was Monica. Like, didn't you want to take off time to go home for like Thanksgiving? And they were like, no. They were and, like, I, and I said, just lie and say that you already booked your flight. <laughs> I was so like, I... <laughs> Again, I had so much like random social anxiety at that time that I never would have done that. Whereas now I would have been like, I literally don't care. Right. Like, shove it. But at the time they were like, well, it's Black Friday. And I was like, wow, that's pretty intense. Guess I have to stay in New York. (laughs) (laughs) Instead of just being like, okay, you couldn't have um, one of the other 400 people that work here do it. Honestly. Also, for reference, Monica's hair was clown red at the time. <laughs> famously, famously, I had clown red hair for like 10 years. <laughs> like a recent blonde. But that brings up, um, I think, why we're all here, which is that I was such a Felicity girl. And as a kid, I always wanted red hair. Like, I love, I don't know if it was, like, an early bisexual thing or, like, an early I just want to look like her thing, but I also, like, loved Lindsay Lohan. Mm -hmm. Like, all my faves were redheads who were, like, had bad attitudes. And I... (laughs) Oh, my gosh. Well, let's get into it, Monica. What were you like as a kid growing up besides, you know, having an ardent desire to be a redhead? What was your vibe as a child? Um, I was actually, I was thinking about that earlier and I think it was, you know, I never wanted to brush my hair. I ran around barefoot and my feet were always like black and covered in dirt. I was, I think a bit of like a natural born leader, but like not very bossy. I'm like, you know, the same as I am now. Like I'm a chiller. I'm a chill girl. But I have a lot of ideas and (laughs) I'm a little bit impulsive and I hate sitting down and doing anything. Um, And that definitely was like exactly how I was as a kid, too. Um, But at the same time, I was never like super unlawful when it mattered or anything. I never really had like a deep desire for chaos like some kids seem to have. But (laughs) You know, definitely, like, behind the scenes, like, planting the seeds, like, wow, this sucks, doesn't it? We should, like, talk to the teacher about not doing this. But I would never... Oh, my God. Class, you know? Uh, I love you already. (laughs) (laughs) Can you you tell our listeners a little bit about, like, what the environment was like that you grew up in? Because I think... It feels relevant. Yeah, (laughs) it does feel relevant. I grew up in an 1800s farmhouse in Wisconsin, in like rural northern Wisconsin, kind of near Green Bay. Um, It was the same house, I believe, that my grandpa grew up in, and it was not really updated much. So and it was on what used to be a running dairy farm. So we had like, obviously, like my parents are not farmers, so we didn't have any animals besides chickens which like we didn't like eat or anything we just like had them for fun and had eggs but um there was like a big barn that ended up getting like partially taken down when I was like 10 or something and we had a tractor and a bunch of like random sheds like it was a very woodsy farmy upbringing a lot of my childhood friends were you know kids of farmers so I spent a lot of time on farms. That's and, fun. And what were the chickens' names, just quickly? To run through the the most famous chickens off the top of my head, there was Henny Penny, there was Henrietta, 
there was one named Goldie who was like a very nice gold color and she liked to like sit on my grandpa's shoulder um I had one that I named Tigger that I watched hatch and then it like followed me Aww. around and then when we went to New Hampshire I think it got eaten by a raccoon um Aww. it happened from time to time like not great <laughs> but um life's yeah. life's challenges and lessons being played right. out on the farm. It's like one of my early experiences with like death and loss wow <laughs> rest in peace tigger we had i mean i'm sure we had like a total of like 20 chickens throughout my childhood but i can't remember all of their names but we did have one rooster who um chased me one time it was really scary and i fell and then i had to climb onto the trampoline to escape which oh my god when i say this out loud i'm like okay this is like not how a lot of people grew up <laughs> wow that's fun did you have a lot of kids nearby to play with outside like were you not we didn't have neighbor kids i mean we had neighbor kids across the street but they were a little bit older than me um but I did have like a set of best friends that actually the local librarian introduced us who were like very similar where like they also lived out in the country. And like we were all like big readers, like very like imaginative, like weird, creative farm kids. Um, so we hung out with them like a lot. Usually like we yeah. would just drop at each other's houses and our parents would pretty much just like let us do whatever we wanted. Oh, <laughs> because- that's so fun. Yeah, so, like, they also had a huge barn, and they had, like, a pony and horses and, like, sheep and a llama. Um, Whoa. So, yeah, like, I, you know, I did my time out in the country. Yeah. I, yeah. I sure did. That's, that's so fun. Oh, well, going into American Girl, what was right. your first exposure to it? How did you learn about AG? Um, I, I can't remember like the first moment, but I think like the thing that sticks out to me is, um, when we would go over to my like family friend's house in Green Bay, which was like the big city near us. Um, it was like my dad's friend for context. My dad is a tennis teacher. So he's always like worked at country clubs, like being a tennis pro. And so like, there was always like kind of this weird dichotomy of like being around very wealthy people and then like going home and being around like very poor farmers <laughs> and like um you know at that time like green bay was where all like the rich people lived so like we would go over to his friend's house for like dinner and they had kids our age that i was friends with and like my they had a kid my sister's age and so you know we all played and they yeah. had like I think they probably had like a wall of American Girl dolls and they would always be like, we can't touch those because they're like too nice. And we'd always like play with them in secret and like want to play with them, but like have to put them back because we weren't like actually supposed to play with them. They were just kind of like collector item status symbols. So like I remember being a kid and being like not super into dolls, but being like, damn, I want one of those. Oh my god, when you say wall of dolls, do you remember Not, which ones they had? I know they had I can't I think they had like most of the core ones. I don't think that they ever had Felicity or like Josefina or Kaya. Mm-hmm. I think they had like Samantha Molly Kirsten. I know they had the blonde girls because they were blonde. Yeah. But I think they had like several models of like blonde ones. <laughs> but it wasn't it wasn't like a floor-to-ceiling wall I should clarify they were like sitting along one bedroom wall all together like on the floor yeah that's fair did they have like a lot of accessories and outfits and furniture for them too or were they like purely in their meat outfits I think they had like some furniture and stuff but again like we didn't play with them a ton so I don't know (laughs) else they had because it was like mostly for display I think oh my god that's so mean I know and so like none of my friends from like my hometown really had them and so like that was probably one of my earlier perceptions of wealth because like yeah over to the city girl's house and they've got like 10 American girl dolls that you can't touch and then like (laughs) 
maybe someone would have won and she'd be like dirty and played with and like well loved but I don't remember like you know I I also wasn't super into dolls so I don't know if I would have really cared but I feel like I only remember like maybe one or two other people that I knew growing up having them it wasn't a huge thing in my little farm town how did you first become aware of Felicity um I we definitely got like the magazine or I like checked out the books from the library or something like I was a big library kid so I'm sure that I read all the books because I did really like reading like stuff like that I also read all those books that were like dear America yeah yes I feel like those go like kind of hand in hand with American Girl in my head like vibe wise but I I think I just read the books from the library and you know it's like how did we know who like Betty Spaghetti was it's like they're just (laughs) around and then you like find out more but I definitely remember getting the magazines and reading the books I'm sure it was a library thing that's what I yeah that that makes sense were you like you were drawn to Felicity, but were you interested in the other stories as well? Like, yeah, like the other other girls. I liked all, like reading all of them. I was really into Felicity, but I also like really fucked with Josefina and Kaya. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Like, I liked like they're like they were like nature girls, and they. I think also like I was really into like animal toys when I was a kid. Like, I feel like you're either like a doll kid or an animal kid. <laughs> like, so I feel like the fact that Felicity had a horse, I was like, okay, let's go. Like, yeah. Yes. I love this. Felicity <laughs> and Kaya both had horses. Yeah, right. Felicity had her lamb and right. then Josefina had the goat. So you kind of right. worked drawn to a lot of animals yeah I was like I love boho girlies like get (laughs) lost (laughs) (laughs) oh my god I love that yeah Felicity's animals were pretty top tier when you think about it I I had Felicity's little lamb growing up and my mom actually found it a few months ago so next time I'm home in Connecticut I'm very excited to be reunited with my My cozy um she created I know right it's so cute um my mom created like really funny Instagram reel with her um cat Mayflower where Mm -hmm. Mayflower sees Posey for the first time and (laughs) quite the the scared reaction it's pretty pretty amazing no that's so that's that's an amazing I feel like we need to repost that again (laughs) Go on the main uh, feed. <laughs> yeah. Um, but Monica, besides like Felicity's red hair, was there anything in her collection and her horse, of course, was there anything in her collection that you were like really drawn to? Like, do you remember any of her outfits and like yeah, being I mean, the vibe? Her like core outfit. I know we're on a pod, but like I literally have this in my closet right now. <laughs> wow. Yes. Oh my God. I thrifted that in Joshua Tree recently. Oh my Uh, God. Yeah, I mean, her clothes, like, I love that era of clothing. Just as context, also, like, I went to FIT and I studied photography, but I also studied fashion history. And so I love that era of clothing. Like, also, I think um, growing up, I didn't sew, but like, my mom did and a lot of other people did and I felt like her clothes like had that really like early American handmade colonial vibe that is just like so like tactile to me um it's just something that's like always stuck with me and you know something like I found myself when I was like studying fashion history that I'm like wow I really am just drawn to like 17th and 18th century clothing like as like my favorite eras of like western costume at least yeah are you are you aware of felicity's little friend doll that they released named elizabeth yeah elizabeth had narc vibes (laughs) she she (laughs) did have narc vibes but her like uh wardrobe was also like pretty incredible like Felicity's was very like middle class right. and then like Elizabeth had a little bit of that like 
upper middle class vibe. Like she had a lot more like taffetas. Right. And so I was, when I was touching up today, I was rewatching her like Felicity's lore video just to like jog my memory. And I know why, and I'm sure you guys know why too. It's cause, and I remember this from the book. It's like her, Elizabeth's parents were like, um, monarch monarchists in colonial America where they believed England should rule and that was like their big beef was like that Felicity and Elizabeth didn't know if they could be friends anymore because they were like oh our parents have different beliefs I know they were literally Trump supporters no literally they were early Trump supporters and I remember being like (laughs) terrible vibes and Felicity should ditch her but that's totally (laughs) it for the wardrobe too it's like Felicity's family was like embracing this like new American lifestyle and like new American culture and Elizabeth's family was like leaning hard on you know the monarchy and like British culture Yeah, yeah for sure um Monica have you seen Caroline the American girl no. She was from like the early 1800s, I think like 1812. Her wardrobe is impeccable. Like, had Caroline been around when I was a kid? Oh, uh, yeah. Oh, this is great. Also, her wig is. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, I love that. I mean, yeah, that dress too. It's like the little ribbon and the ruffles. I would straight up wear that head to toe today. Right. Bars. And it's interesting, like clothes that you really like as a child and like dolls or like fictional figures, like come back into your personal style much later on in adulthood, I find. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. I feel like my current wardrobe would fit in well with like Kirsten, right? Her her era and vibe. Uh, But Felicity, Felicity had some like incredible incredible look she had a bonnet right oh yeah, yeah. she had she had several i'm still a bonnet girly like it's Are you? Like every yeah like everything that she was wearing i'm like damn i'm literally just back in that now like i'm wearing oh like, like, natural fibers bonnets ruffles <laughs> lace trims oh like, my god you know what this is like just reminding me I don't know if you're aware of this Monica but Ruby I was uh, just gonna bring up Ruby (laughs) she like she okay so for our listeners Ruby June was a guest on our podcast several months ago and she talked about going to the American Girl store uh in Ohio with her mom and we did like a live um of that but uh she like home makes bonnets which I'm sure won't surprise you Monica now that you've met her right. um, <laughs> but like yeah bring back a bonnet why not time they're selling them at a lot of vintage stores in LA to be honest I think it's the summer of bonnets imagine yeah. if urban started selling bonnets I think we're probably truly two months out from that yeah we're yeah. heading in that direction it's happening it's coming <laughs> they're pro- they're producing them right now as we speak and they're taking them to market for <laughs> summer right <laughs> wow I mean honestly that would be my absolute dream if like everyone did wear bonnets or like revert back to like 18th century dressing like how wonderful would that be it would be incredible. A long dress. I love a long dress. Like I love a long dress. And it's like we could still take modern. I mean, I think I do that a little bit now. It's like combining things that I wear like bloomers a lot and stuff. And so oh. I think it's like combining things that feel like really rooted in fashion history and just like turning them into like how you can make it work in your personal style now. Like yeah. I would wear a dress head to toe if it had like a huge slit up the leg (laughs) yeah have you heard of the brand have you heard of the brand salter house no I think they're based in Brooklyn my friend put me on to them and it's very like maybe like Victorian vibes Mm -hmm. and the items that they make are like very beautiful I'll drop the link um in 
our chat now, but we'll also put it in the show notes. But like, if anyone wants to, if anyone wants to dress like a Samantha, a Kirsten, maybe this is the brand to look at. It's really decadent. It would be fun to curate, um, like how we were talking about live journal earlier, curate some outfits and links of um, like what you think all the girls would wear now. Yeah. So there's a great. I'm sure that maybe even exists already, but. Yeah. One of our, one of our good friends um, who we've had on the podcast, Elizabeth that just poshed it does a lot of modern takes on American girl um, outfits. And it's so, it's so fun. I feel like I'm constantly inspired to dress like an AG with everything that she shares. Right. I love that. I feel like I could totally see you, Monica, also like kind of leading into like a Kirsten Mm -hmm. style I feel like I could see you like putting an apron on (laughs) I could could wear right a little (laughs) pinafore I mean I do like you know Samantha like hair vibes I think also like they all I think what comes of all this is like they were all impeccably dressed they looked great the outfits were like thoughtful and historically accurate in a way that has like stood the absolute test of time and like still impacts people today and I think that's so fun right like I'm always sending Laura like look at this little Samantha dress you should buy (laughs) I'm like it's just so cute like yeah a little doll I know honestly like I love I love the resurgence of American Girl and like the zeitgeist just purely because I think that there's so many opportunities to like dress like an American girl, if you will. Mm. Um, Like for our friend's wedding, Shannon, who was a guest on this podcast, who looks exactly like Molly, um, (laughs) Monica had like a little black uh like chiffon samantha bow that was so cute it was like so i could totally see you rocking this Lindsay. it was like just like a very like casual half up half down with like a little black like Uh, mesh sheer samantha bow it was actually from free people and i wear it almost every day because i'm like why wouldn't we wear bows in our hair they were something it looks great and it's so convenient they have a oh lot of God. I love that I have a bow too that I never wear and I should I'm gonna pull it out of its retirement right it's time this. to unretire the bows ladies honestly Ugh. you heard it here first I think too like with American Girl like these were our first for many of us like more of like a major style icon moment for a lot of us. Like, I think at least when I was growing up, like I had like TV shows to look at for style and like Mary Kate and Ashley, but that was like more attainable mm-hmm. fashion. Like this was more something that could be seen as aspirational, like apart from like the everyday life. And like, mm-hmm. I've talked about this before, but I was always really drawn to like the ballet costumes that my, um, dance studio had for the Nutcracker where it was, um, the party scene girls with their beautiful, like taffeta and silk dresses that I never got to wear. Um, (laughs) unfortunately, but it was very like Samantha vibes and like not having those clothes within reach because it's not something that you're going to wear every day. Like, you know, the style of like, an actress on TV and like a sitcom, you know, that is going to be like your everyday vibe. Whereas American girl is a reach, you know, something special, but like noticeably fashionable and like beautiful quality. And, um, yeah, I feel like that's just kind of like stuck with me through the years. Like I still admire like all of the outfits, Actually, I shouldn't say all, but like the majority of the outfits from the American Girl catalog um, as being something like I would love to wear one day. And I'm just hoping for the day that like they just launch an adult size clothing line. One, I will literally head that up Two, I think it also like taps into this like early childhood imagination, like 
it being your first experience with aspirational clothes, but it also like taps into like kind of like a literary world that you're like bringing into your real life. Yeah. It like harkens to this life that like we didn't have growing up in the 90s where you're, I mean, maybe some people did, but like, you know, going to balls or like wearing like a a head to toe outfit every day to like go to the shop. Like, I don't know, like, I think we were growing up in a time where things were starting to get really, really casual in fashion. Like mm-hmm. once jeans and a t-shirt hit America, like things were <laughs> never the same. <laughs> and I think like as a young child, like even I remember yearning for like these like formal opportunities and like I yeah. loved up as a kid, like that was like one of my favorite things. And like, um, I think like, getting to like look at these tiny beautiful clothes was really special because like we didn't have a reason like the 90s we were just wearing like spandex shorts and a gross t-shirt and like sneakers and like things have just gone downhill since then (laughs) (laughs) you know what I mean like things are just getting less and less formal so I think like having a slice of that in your hands was probably like a really early like tactile fashion experience totally I feel like I've gotten so like I mean both of you can attest that I'm kind of like a jeans and a t-shirt lover but like I feel like there's so many opportunities that like we could be taking to like add that like extra level of like I don't know, like prestige and fun to dressing. I actually feel like you're really good at that, Lindsay. Like, I feel like you always like take so much of your personal style into like even an outfit for work with like a headband or like an accessory. And there are still opportunities for us to do that as adults if we like just think long and hard enough about it. Right. I totally agree. I mean, it's the same thing with just like throwing a bow in. It's like I might be wearing jeans and a t-shirt, but then I also have a chiffon bow. And it's like, that's so cute. It's like, think of like what you would have wanted to wear as a kid and like engage that as an adult and it will like make getting dressed so much more fun. Right. Something that I feel, and I don't know if anyone else could relate to this and maybe some of our listeners do, but I feel like I thrive in the spring and summer. Like my wardrobe really hits its peak during the warmer months with the dresses that I wear. I have like the most boring style in the winter. I hate it. I just like count down the days to spring. But lately, I mean, I'm in my, thir- I'm in my mid thirties now. And sometimes I look at an, like a dress that I want to purchase. And I'll say to myself, like, well, I could only really wear that for like another few years before like it's just going to be strange for like a woman in her forties to wear. And I don't like that feeling. And I, I like really admire style icons that are in their like seventies and eighties and nineties that are just dressing the way they want to dress, like no fucks given, like very like expressive. And I think I have to remember that. Like, I, I don't go from like, my twenties and thirties dressing how I want. And then, you know, nose diving in my forties, fifties, sixties, and then picking it right back up in like my seventies. Like, I think I have to remember to like dress for the moment and not think about things being like, okay, it's going to be strange to wear this, you know, beautiful dress when I'm 40. Like I'm not deserving of a beautiful like fashion moment that would make me happy. Totally. Well, personal style is such a journey. It's like a lifelong journey that like abs and flows. Like you might go through a few years where you're just not interested and then like yeah. get into it again. But I think like regarding um feeling like there's age limitations on clothes, it's like think about the ways you can like recontextualize pieces and elevate them to feel more grown. Like maybe you have like a favorite shitty band tee and it's like that you've had forever that you like turn into a crop top and then you're like why am I 40 wearing a crop top but it's like like, pair it with like an amazing like long jacket and like a great trouser and it's like you can like take pieces that feel really like silly or like young or slutty and like find a way to you know 
re rewear them in like a more hypothetically grown-up way like I think it's also just like having certain pieces that can like help other ones transition from one thing to another and like also learning how to layer layering yeah a lot but I don't know like it bums me out to think that people might feel like they have to stop like having a self-expression growing up like not that that's what you said but um you know, just growing up in Wisconsin, I felt like a lot of people lost their fashion identity as they became older. And I'm like, we don't have, like, your personal style can still be really expressive and be really comfortable and be really easy. And like, it doesn't have to be a punishment to age. It can just be an excuse to like, find new ways to find joy in getting dressed. Yeah, that's very true. I need I need to think of that. I mean, I'm living in the moment for now, but like I hate the thought like, oh my goodness, once I'm 40, I'm going to have to get rid of all of this stuff. But right. really like I think I think especially with like social media, like I think people are seeing like the traditional like role of like an adult like fashion sense be very different than what it was even like 15 years ago. Absolutely. You know, like I think in the nineties, we saw this like super like casual vibe that's kind of continued, but might be spiking back up to be something that is a bit more self-expressive and personal, Mm -hmm. um, to style. And I think we'll continue to see more of that, especially like, I love like the insurgence of like women in their forties and fifties becoming like TikTok creators and like sharing their lives. It's like influencing used to be something for like the you know, early 20 year old, like traditionally like beautiful person. And it's evolved so much, I think, especially with TikTok in the past couple of years that, you know, not everyone is looking to a 20 year old to like (laughs) figure out like what, you know, products they want or style. Like people want inspiration from, um, people like them. And we're seeing a lot more of, you know, inspiration. And I think, self-expression and like building confidence with whatever stage you're at and that's gonna be so valuable for everyone like not only women that age but it's like humanizing aging is really important for people mm-hmm. and it's something that we haven't done and like we always look down on people older than like right the right age but I think yeah like what you're saying where it's like you know influencers being like young and aspirational like is getting boring we're like we're ready to see people thriving and happy and interesting at any stage of life and it's like that's hopefully where we're going culturally where we're like shining light on like amazing women in their 40s 50s 60s like you know growing up in Wisconsin aging felt like a punishment and it felt like a loss of self whereas I think here I, you know, like having so many like amazing women around me with like really good personal style and like really strong sense of self, like who are in their fifties and their forties, like it's, it's so refreshing. You're like, okay, we're all just out here like right. <laughs> doing it. And it's just, it's, it's amazing. It's so inspirational and it's like so valuable. And I wish that Um, And I'm hoping with the internet that like, you know, young people anywhere can see that and relate to it and be like, okay, it's fine. Right. It's like, yeah, absolutely. (laughs) And like bringing it back to American Girl, like, you know, I think we could say like see the same parallels too, right? Like, I think like Laura and I were in conversation earlier today about um, American Girl and, you know, uh, how you relate to it from your childhood into adulthood and drawing those parallels that like, just because you, you know, were interested in something as a child, like just because you're, um, aging doesn't mean you still can't have interest in it. Even if your interest looks different than, you know, what it did previously, like Laura and I are not doll collectors, but we're really into the nostalgia. So it's kind of like a different, like side of engaging with American girl now. Um, but yeah, just because, just because I'm in my mid thirties, like there's still an interest. (laughs) Right. But I think like really valuable for women to like, it's like, it's not just an interest. It's like, you're having like really 
interesting social anthropological discourse about the effect that this like brand and culture and series and books and everything like had on people and I think like you know I think a lot of feeling comfortable like growing up is coming back to your childhood interests in a way that's on your terms and being like Mm -hmm. you know like I started like playing tennis and roller skating again and like I don't know like just doing all of the stuff that you used to enjoy as a kid and like doing it on your own terms is really empowering. And also like, I think especially interests that are like typically like feminine or like for women, like dolls, it's like, that's always like looked down upon as like not legitimate, but yes, you're like literally saying exactly what I was saying earlier today. Right. How like if a man was like collecting his guns or whatever right. it is that men collect, be like, like cool, great, good yeah. for you. But like, uh, right. there is a bunch of like really smart, cool women like having engaging conversation about something that's like been written off as like you know, or as like a child's interest, whatever, but. You know, it's something that we've all were like obviously really impacted by and interested in. And it was something that we like was like an early identifier of your personality is like, which American girl doll do you like? And I think like that's not for nothing. Like that's important and it's valuable to talk about and like totally helpful for people to like unpack all of that. Yeah. Well, I mean, anybody that I've met and like, talked about the podcast with or who asks questions about it always like leads with telling me who they had and it really does like give me a ton of insight as to like what they might have been like as a kid as soon as they say who they had like you saying that you were drawn to Felicity makes like so much sense to me based on like what I know about you as a kid and today um so it's also just like a really interesting way I feel like to learn about it like signifies you know different personality traits of us as kids when we might not have known each other but like you know you still are interested in what that person was like growing up so I think it's it's great to like still identify a little bit with like that you know I had Samantha because whatever right Um, but Monica, do you feel like in your sort of like revisiting of American Girl and your thoughts about it as a kid, even though you didn't have one um, and being drawn to Felicity, like, do you think that now that you're older, there's a doll that resonates with you more than Felicity or a character that you're like interested in that um, maybe like you weren't super into as a kid but now you sort of like see their their merits as an adult like for me that's Josefina um like I I mean I was like super interested in Josefina as a kid like I chose to have her but um as an adult like I'm like oh my gosh like it I wasn't even scratching the surface partially because I was young but um it's like who I appreciate the most I think in my collection as an adult but is there one that sort of has that meaning for you a little bit I mean it still really does feel like Felicity because I think those were the traits I always wanted for myself where she was like a little bit of like a shit starter and like (laughs) you know like I that's always how I've wanted to be and I think it just kind of is how I am so like for me I was like through and through but you know as a kid I, I did really like Josefina and Kaya but I think as an adult, like, I really love Samantha's, like, her, like, prim, proper outfits. Like, I, as far as, like, from a fashion perspective, I really love those. And I'm, like, totally interested in them. And I'm always, like, how can I pull that into my wardrobe? And just, like, you know, as a kid, I was, like, a little farm girl. So I just didn't, like, didn't really care about, like, how (laughs) pristine and, like, wealthy and kind of like boring her clothes felt whereas as an adult I'm like totally into it yeah Ugh, yeah is there like an outfit that stands out to you in Samantha's collection uh does she have something like navy blue velvet oh the plaid see yeah this is so like Ghani core to me is this like puff sleeve plaid number right. I would wear this outfit head to toe the matching plaid bow 
the puff sleeve mock neck plaid dress with the pleats yes a little felt hat and mary jane's like that is so cute and i I would literally wear this outfit head to toe like it's so cute i mean you could scour ebay there are some dresses floating around from the child sizes that probably fit that I'm thinking of you know why oh, oh my yes. god gorgeous the fur hat and the fur muff I've Ugh. always had a fur muff but I have that muff immaculate to me right oh my god and then outside of Samantha is there like a look that like you had always been drawn to from like any of the dolls honestly like, not really like yeah I, I was just like a little bit rough and tumble you know mm-hmm. Fair. <laughs> like but you know yeah. I we didn't even get to talk about this but I lived 40 minutes from the American Girl outlet store in Oshkosh Wisconsin and so my sister and I had those like dark green and pink and blue bathrobes do you know what I'm talking about I think they also might have made 90s dark um, green and pink and blue I'm gonna they were like up. plaid checkered I think I or it wasn't plaid it was checkers but um I'll find it and um you guys can post it but we had those and I know that I don't know which doll had them but I, I remember like seeing those in the catalog and being like oh my god and then <laughs> say more about the store in Oshkosh because so Something really interesting about American Girl as a company is that it's like foundation is in the Midwest. Like, obviously, the huge flagship store was in Chicago, but like, I'm pretty sure the first ever factory was in Madison, Wisconsin. Mm-hmm. That's true. My friend interviewed to work for them. Um, yeah, so the outlet store in Oshkosh, there was just an outlet mall. We may all be familiar with the brand Oshkosh Bigosh. Um, <laughs> Wisconsin lore there. But um, so there was I an always outlet. forget that there is like the Bagosh part of it. Like, you do they have to remember? Do they still go by Bagosh, like Oshkosh Bagosh? Or do I they... don't know if they exist anymore. <laughs> I haven't heard that name in years. <laughs> But um, yeah, so there was an American Girl outlet store and they had clothes and dolls. I don't remember them like, I don't remember like if the dolls were like the core collection. I feel like it was always like random stuff, but they definitely had a bunch of like American Girl brand clothes, but I don't necessarily think it was like matching the doll outfits. I think it was like they had a clothing line, correct? They did, yeah. So I think it was like mostly that stuff. Interesting. That's but pretty popping. Cool. I th- I don't think it's open anymore, but it was like a huge destination, and I remember people used yeah. to all the time. That is really interesting. I can't even imagine what an American Girl outlet store would yeah. look like. But that I sounds would incredible. Anything to go there and have it be like <laughs> two thousand two right now, and just like look at what they have because I'm sure the clothes were insane. Right. Truly. Oh my gosh. Um, I would love to go there. Honestly, like an outlet is such a, I, I don't know. I feel like it's such a lost art. Mm-hmm. I know because outlets now are like not much cheaper than it would be in the store anyway. Right? I feel like in the nineties going to the outlet was like, everything's a dollar, figure it out. Everything's on the ground. Like it's broken. Right. But, like, Honestly. that wasn't the vibe. It, it was, like, a nice store. Like, the outlet mall there, like, wasn't gross. But I, I, I think it wasn't very inexpensive either, which is, like, why we didn't shop there very much. Because, like, I think it was still, like, American Girl doll brand, which was, I'm sure, at the time for child's clothes, fairly expensive. Right. Yeah. What was – did you have any other American Girl – adjacent items besides that no. at any point literally just the bathrobe oh my gosh you were suffering but like I'm sure we just got it because we liked it you know what yeah I, mean? I don't remember I'll have to find photos of us wearing them my sister I would, and I had them matching I would love to see photos of that oh my right? gosh did your sister also have interest in American Girl yeah she was like a big Kirsten girly Oh, which is like the checks perfect out. <laughs> descriptor of like the book. Yeah, 
like lawful, studious, sweet, <laughs> earnest, well-meaning. Ah. And I'm like a little piece of shit, like <laughs> independent thinking, like always going against the grain, like funky. yeah, yeah. I hear that. That's that I... was a big descriptor of me as a kid. Well, that's that's a felicity descriptor as well. And yeah. I was I was drawn to her too. That was the one doll that I had. Right. And it was like felicity or no one. Like I was right. so into her and like cool. right. <laughs> I I had a similar vibe growing up for sure. Right. Well, Monica, this has truly been enlightening. I feel like with every episode, we're just digging deeper into the core of our psyches and inner inner children here I have never thought we would go this deep with American Girl (laughs) and we continue to do so so thank you for bringing this conversation to us today and we'd love to end this section of questioning um Mm -hmm. with hearing your your thoughts on this and I think this will be a really cool answer but what lasting impression did American Girl leave on you um this is gonna be pretty corny but like I didn't even have a doll but I feel like having this like range of aspirational girls you could be where they all had these like very different lives and very different characteristics but where they were all very valid and celebrated was probably really valuable for a lot of young women and like young girls because also I remember just feeling like they weren't they weren't what you're seeing in the movies and what you're seeing in media as far as like mm-hmm. how teen and young girls are represented. It was very much just like really capable, smart, like empathetic stories being told. And like, I think like that was a value that I can't think of anything that has that these days for people <laughs> like for young kids. I think it was just really deep and interesting and like a really helpful thing to connect to and like um, learn how to handle trials and tribulations through their books and stuff. I just remember like, I don't know, like liking seeing the way each different girl handled things in like different time periods. Yeah. And I mean, they were flawed too. Like Mm -hmm. they weren't perfect and they made mistakes. And I think that even though obviously like the backgrounds of every girl were different, Mm -hmm. what it like showed us was that there are a lot of like universal experiences in Mm -hmm. every time period for young girls. So I feel like it was amazing to get to sort of read about, you know, like you mentioned, like how would Josefina handle this situation versus Felicity and, you know, sort of learning that that people make mistakes and um, the characters were really admirable, but at the same time, there was a lot of humanity in them too. Right, exactly. Definitely. I I really resonate with that. I really like that answer, Monica. I think I think that's important to talk about too with like how the characters are portrayed with this. Um, you know, we see them through so many different parts of their journeys in their mm-hmm. lives, how they handle situations with um their friends, their family, uh school, um various hardships of varying Mm -hmm. degrees um and a lot of like what at least what I consumed growing up in terms of um the books that I were I was reading um for the most part with exceptions of course and like the television and movies that I was watching it was more surface level Mm -hmm. I would say like I didn't really see like the core of a person in like the babysitters club book series absolutely and I think like having all of these like very different personality girls like all be the main character in a way Mm -hmm. was really valuable too because it's like in that media that was like a little bit more surface level like there was definitely like a lot of tropes and I think like having early access to seeing like the way these different kinds of people are celebrated and like the way these different kinds of girls like handle things is like 
really nice because a more quiet girl like wouldn't relate to Felicity but like she might relate to someone else and be like well I really like that whereas like right you know it's like I think that's really good for young people to like see that like there's plenty of ways that you can exist in the world and have it like bring value without just having to be like the cool girl like that you're reading in teen media later on it's like very wholesome and sweet and I think probably helpful for like young people to find a way to like identify with someone and then also like see that celebrated yeah definitely and you're really getting to know the different characters over the course of the six books that you're reading and even if you don't like immediately identify with them or particularly like them by like the end of the series like you have a better understanding of where someone else is coming from and like you still like them and like even after all these years it's like I can remember their different personalities and it's like I probably read all of those books like once or twice when I was like six and seven you know Mm -hmm, right it obviously leaves some sort of lasting mark on people so I think like that's incredibly valuable for for young women so true I really I really hope obviously the brand has changed a lot over the past 20 years or so um but I really hope that there is still that same like spirit in Mm -hmm it for kids today um obviously like I think a big part of their business today is the girl of today or like just like me or like truly me whatever (laughs) the new name is for the dolls that look like you um but like the historical dolls are still a part of it and so you know I hope that even though like the time periods feel a lot more recent. I I hope that like, you know, there's a girl who like really feels drawn to the seventies doll because of like mm-hmm. something about her story, or maybe that someone is still drawn to Felicity um, to this day. So um, even though the brand has changed a lot, I, I think if you look for that mm-hmm. aspect of it, it's still there, but you, you sort of have to be more intentional about it than when we were kids. Right. Totally. Absolutely. Oh, well, I guess we'll get into the celeb game. Um, So, Monica, you gave us a couple of your fave celebs, mm-hmm. and I am going to throw them at you, and you're going to say which ones you think that they would have, which American Girl doll you think they would have. I'm so, be so good at this, and I don't remember who I wrote down. <laughs> Okay, who would Kate Hudson have? <laughs> wow. Maybe I'm not going to be so good at this. Okay. Um, <laughs> honestly, this could go many ways. I My gut says Kirsten. <laughs> okay, and why do you feel that I way? Kate Hudson is kind of like just a good all-American girly. Like, she... She doesn't seem to have like this hidden hidden agenda, hidden dark crevices. I think she's just like she's pretty straightforward and I feel like she would have just been like I like this girl. Yeah, I feel like she's also very like low key as a celebrity. Right. Exactly. So she doesn't seem pretentious or like wanting too much like more attention yeah. than she or anything like just seems right. really straightforward. She seems like a person that happens to be famous rather than like a famous person. Like I hate when that happens to me. <laughs> like I would put her in like Zoe Kravitz and like Dakota Johnson kind of like all in a category. Like they're not mad, but they but they're like I I didn't do anything to get this, so I'm not going to like do anything to continue it. I'm just going to like keep vibing. Yeah, the reluctant Nepo baby. Right, which is like... Oh, <laughs> uh, I love that. Okay, and which America Girl doll do you think Post Malone would have? <laughs> <laughs> okay, Post Malone would totally have Josefina. Oh my gosh. Okay, okay. why? why is that? Because I think that Post Malone 
Although I do think we would hate each other if we met. I think deep down he's like a real sweetie and he lives in Utah and like loves guns. And so like people like that love to pretend to be like connected to nature. So I could see him like, (laughs) you know, like being kind of like outdoorsy, but not in like a mountain climbing way and like a just hanging out kind of way. Yes. And I feel like was like the ultimate chiller. Like she was just cool and chill. And like that's what Post Malone is to me. All his like little, you know, face tattoos and stunts aside. I think deep down he's a Josefina. Oh my gosh. Well, I love that answer. I don't know I don't know enough to contest it. So I think it's I think it's a good answer. If anyone wants to fight about it, my DMs are open. <laughs> well, you convinced me on that. <laughs> Oh Oh my my God. Monica, this has been absolutely incredible. Thank you so much for joining us today on American Girl Women. It's been a delight. It's truly been a pleasure. And I feel like I opened up some old cans of worms that are going to lead into some very deep YouTube holes. (laughs) (laughs) Love it. Now, where could everybody find you after this if they want to connect? Um, you can connect with me on Instagram.com. Um, my handle is Monica Oliver. It's Monica with a K underscore Oliver. And I also have a private Twitter account um, for about 10 people. So if you want to hear my worst thoughts ever, that is G-R-I-T-T-L-E pause. <laughs> Okay, amazing. Well, thank you so much, Monica, for joining. And thank you, everybody, for listening. Thank you for listening to American Girl Women. For more AG Women content, follow us on IG at American Girl Women or send us your American Girl stories via AmericanGirlWomen at gmail.com. We might just read them on the pod. If you like this podcast, tell your friends and rate, review, and subscribe on Apple Podcasts.